Welcome to So Rare in the State Soccer. Here are your hosts, Chris and Nashi. Welcome back to another episode. This is Chris, the MLS card guy, obviously with our co-host Nashi. How are you today, my guy? I'm good. I'm fired up. Playoff weekend. So uh, it's yeah. been really good. We've been really enjoying it. Just watched the uh, RSL crumble at a penalty penalty spot, but uh, mm. they stuck in there. Credit to them. It was a, it was a good game. It was, made a game of it. Yeah, I mean, you go up 2-0 and you end up losing on penalties. Not exactly ideal. Not the RSL from last year. But uh, yeah, we'll definitely get into our, our playoff uh, predictions and kind of what's happened so far. We're obviously recording this between the Austin and RSL games on Sunday. So we don't know how the Orlando Montreal game is going. The one person who is very interested in the Orlando Montreal game is our guest this week. It's Mr. Jorge. How are you today, Jorge? Dude, I'm happy to be here. I'm stoked, man. I've had a lot of fun watching the playoffs and, you know, those games as cool as they were, they don't really matter because uh, the real important game is tonight when Montreal faces Orlando City, you know, they have a few more hours left to be on top before they get knocked down the pedestal and Orlando City ruins everybody's bracket in the MLS, you know, when we win 2-0. So I, I am, I'm hype. I'm hype and I'm so, hyped to be here. So is that the official on record prediction is 2-0 Orlando? 2-0 Orlando in the 95th minute, Tesho Ekandele, header, header off a corner right there to win the game. Oh, Straight cardiac okay. cats. Cardiac okay. cats in perfect Orlando City fashion. We'll see. So you can all you can all roast him on Twitter later when Montreal has officially won, and you all know that, and he is still blissfully happy at this point. So we'll see how, how things turn <laughs> out. But Jorge, if you guys didn't know, is the one of the hosts on our uh, Sower in the States basketball podcast, which comes out every Friday. And we have him on this week to kind of start talking about, um, obviously, we're going to talk a lot of MLS and a lot of soccer, but just to start throwing onto your radar that we have that show, first of all. And then on Tuesday, we obviously have a big reveal for the uh, NBA community event that is coming out. So just give us a little bit of, of kind of what's going on on Tuesday, how you guys are going to be covering things and uh, and what the whole NBA experience is going to be about. Yeah, so it's it's been couple, it's it's been pretty fun with my co-host, Alec who has been on the baseball podcast before for so rare in the States. So uh, we've been, we've taken on the uh, basketball experience and it's been a little weird right now since we haven't really gotten the official news on NBA yet. Uh, but as of recording two days from now, the community event will be coming out 10 AM Eastern and we should be getting hopefully all the information we need to know to really dive into NBA. Hopefully we find out all the scoring matrix, the cards, the scarcities, all that stuff. And then we can really start preparing for when those cards do go on sale. So we can start building our squads and to go along with that, we're going to be doing a live stream that evening too. I think at 6 PM as of right now, uh, we're going to be hopping on a live stream, kind of chatting with you guys, kind of going over what happens in that community video. And then maybe even talk some strategy, maybe kind of look at some cards that we may be kind of looking to pick up really early on, depending on how the market goes. Um, and yeah, it's, it's really exciting. A lot of things are going to be moving. Uh, Alec, I wish he could be here right now too, but he's not much of a footballer. So catch him on the baseball show, but I'll be over here kind of doing a little, little fun stuff with Orlando city and that, and really stoked to dive into it. And that man knows his basketball. So there's, there's a lot of good information over there. Yeah. And if you guys don't know, we we've already done three episodes. I want to say now, uh, and we've had two big guests already on, on the uh, NBA podcast. So definitely go check that one out. So we're in the States basketball. Uh, that'll be a, uh, the next thing is going to be a live stream at 6 PM Eastern time, which I think is 11 PM uh, Greenwich mean time. If for, for all of you over in London, if you are excited to be on the basketball side, definitely hop on that live stream a little bit later at night. Um, but yeah, it should be an absolutely outstanding launch. We're looking forward to it for sure. Nash, you going, you going to the basketball side of things at all? 
I'm I'm very tempted, mate, to have a little a little dabble, get my toes wet. I mean, in terms of, I think the transition for like football fans to basketball is a lot more smooth, even if with like little prior knowledge than the transition to baseball. Like baseball is a much more complex sport um, to sort of just pick up and go. Basketball is kind of simple enough, you know. You know, kind of the goal is the same as football. You're trying to get it in the net, and uh, I think that there will be a lot more uptake from even people who haven't necessarily enjoyed basketball up and much till this point. I think there'd be more people sort of tempted to jump on over, especially after they uh, listen to the pod this week. So, yeah, I'm excited. I, I do, I do have some friends out here that I've been speaking to, trying to pick their brain and uh, get into the strategy of it, but the it's so tough with the so rare dynamic because we don't quite know what the matrix is going to look like. We don't know what quite what a prize pool is going to look like, all these things. So it's almost a chicken or the egg. I'm trying to do a little bit of research to get in there, but also not quite sure how it's going to look yet. So it's, it's uh, I think it's pretty new for everyone and it's exciting. So yeah, I think I'll, I'll be getting involved. What about you? I am not a basketball guy at all. Um, we obviously do the football podcast and the baseball podcast uh is i'm on both of those and then obviously producing for the basketball podcast so i kind of uh listen to all of them but i don't think i'll be doing basketball as much um speaking of the baseball podcast also on tuesday we're gonna have sower's head of business development and partnerships michael Meltzer, will be joining the baseball podcast to talk about all of those uh issues and and different things on the on the baseball side so um, lots of big stuff going on on Sower in the States. So make sure you are stay tuned. It's a big, big week for us here. So we're very excited to to get into all of that. But obviously, we got a little soccer to talk about, a little footy to talk about today. We've got some MLS playoff action. And we'll just start with a recap of the three games that have gone on so far. Cincinnati comes from behind 2-1 to beat the uh, New York Red Bulls. LA Galaxy with a 1-0 win over Nashville in the game we just saw, a 2-2 draw between Austin and RSL, which ends in Austin dominating on penalties and advancing to the next round of the playoffs. Where do we want to start here, guys? We want to go to Cincinnati and New York Red Bulls. What are we? What are our thoughts on that, on that game? Yeah, we, we can start off right at the beginning and go Cincy Red Bull. And to be honest, I thought, I thought this game was going to be a little crazier, but it was kind of a snooze fest for a majority of it. It was really just a lot of back and forth in the midfield. Nobody really had an answer to anything. And then Lewis Morgan scored a Galasso of a goal and immediately came right off the game, you know, hurt himself in the windup and the scoring the goal and the celebrating who knows what, but scored a worldly goal, put Red Bulls up one zero and then immediately goes off. And after that, Red Bulls attack completely disappeared. As soon as Lewis Morgan left that game, that was it. It was done. There was the creative juices were gone and they couldn't get anything done. And then Cincinnati made the right substitutions. As soon as Sergio Santos came on the pitch, really, really stretched the back line towards the end of the game and ended up, you know, putting in that nice little cross into Brandon Vasquez to get the game winner. So it was not maybe the craziest chaos football that we thought that we were going to get from the Red Bulls, but uh, it was a game and Cincinnati pulled it off their first playoff appearance and their first win. It's a uh, good, for, good for them. Good for when, we're them. Yeah. About, when we're talking about a Red Bulls, I saw our uh, former guest legend, uh, Tom Bogut put up a little thing and he was kind of <laughs> saying something that was very apparent in this game that they really needed. If they, I think he said it a little earlier in the season, he said, if they really want to make an impact this year, if they really want to cause problems, they need Klimala, they need Lukinius to up their production, to start putting the ball in the back of the net more, start creating moments for themselves and really producing. And yeah, like like Jorge just said, it just 
they just didn't have that spark. It took a moment of brilliance from Lewis Morgan, who has had a fantastic year and is a great, great player, um, to get him the goal. But once once he went out, they just really lacked ideas, imagination, and that kind of gave Cincinnati the confidence and momentum to sort of kick on. With Cincinnati, it looked a little bit of stage fright. Um, I picked the game up in the second half, but it seemed like they just started to warm up into the game. I think they might have had a bit of stage fright going into the playoffs, you know, it's kind of a new, new, new territory for them. That team maybe wasn't expecting it for the for the season, and they, you know, they it took them a while to warm up. But once they got going, boy, they uh, they they were causing some problems, and they uh, they took over the game. And I think they were rightful winners in the end. There. Yeah, I think uh, I think that's a good point there that they're maybe not expected to be there, right? Three straight wooden spoons, uh, and then they come kind of kind of out of nowhere to to get up to uh, the five seed overall. And now they've got themselves a playoff win. So big congratulations there to Cincinnati, kind of taking steps in the right direction after not really having the greatest start of uh, of a uh, team in MLS history for sure. Um, but they've they seem to have turned it around pretty pretty significantly now with uh, the Philadelphia Union guys coming over with the GM and the head coach. It really solidified that back line a little bit more and allowed kind of Acosta, Vasquez, uh, and Brenner to just go forward and just cause havoc for teams. And and like I said before, they they got into the playoffs. Cincinnati is not a team that you want to face in the playoffs. Like that three headed monster up front is absolutely dangerous they can break anybody down. And that's kind of what playoffs are all about is consistently scoring goals and then playing enough defense to get by. And in, in this case, they get them through to the next round and we'll see how they do up against a juggernaut in Philadelphia. So uh, best of yeah. luck to them in the next Matt, round. Matt, Matt Miazga coming in made a difference. And yeah, I know you, I know you Chris are the, uh, the biggest fan club in uh, Alec Khan's career. You're a, you're a solo in there, but, his replacement, Celentano, has actually came on throughout the season. I've kind of slowly been noticing he's looked shaky at the start. He didn't look confident, but in a game yesterday, massive game, I thought he played pretty well. He looked kind of imposing back there. He's a big boy for a, for a young kid. And uh, yeah, I think yeah. sort of shoring it up at the back was huge for them. They were leaking too many goals early on. And yeah, obviously we know what they can do up front. Brandon Vasquez yeah. scores again, massive goal, probably the biggest in his career, wins the game. Didn't, didn't panic, took it clinically. I've experienced what he's been brilliant all season. The World Cup's coming up. It seems like this one's too soon for him. I can kind of, I mean, on form, on form. It should be, you know. He's got an argument. He's got a big yep. case, but do you want to be making your debut for the, for the national the World team Cup. the World Cup? That's kind of a different story. I could, could see it going both ways. But how exciting is his development for for obviously himself, for the league, but also for US soccer, someone who took a while to bloom in, only really been playing in the MLS, but now he's reaching levels where we're talking about international football. I think he needs a special little mention there. Yeah, 100%. And he's he's a guy that's going to get his chance after the World Cup, it sounds like. Basically, they, they, they've come out and said that Greg Berhalter has basically told him, we can't really integrate you into the team right now. But after the World Cup, we will get you a chance and we'll look towards 2026. And then something that the U.S. team has not had, that's obviously one of the big weak spots that the U.S. has, is that number nine position along with the back line. So um, I don't think anybody really questions the talent in the midfield or at the, the winger positions. But the number nine has been a problem spot for years now. They've kind of tried to patch the hole with Jesus Ferreira playing kind of a false nine type thing. And it kind of works, but it kind of doesn't. So, yeah, I mean, there's a ton of talented talented boys out there that can play that number nine that either haven't gotten a chance or that uh, have gotten a chance and kind of not run with it. 
um, or have had some injury issues. So there's a ton of talent there. Just someone needs to step up and take that spot. And who knows? It definitely could be Vasquez. Do you have any, any thoughts on, on Vasquez there, Jorge? Dude, he's a quality player. I wish he was playing for Mexico, but we all know how that went. Cause mm. I would love to have him on our side, but yeah, dude, especially with the U S at this point, and especially the things that we saw in the friendlies leading into this world cup, why not just take them anyway? Like I get, yeah. I get wanting to save them. Like, yes, it is a little late to integrate them. It's kind of silly to be like, Hey, you know, come, come, come to the world cup with us. You have no idea what's going on, but it's fine. We'll just throw you out there. Like that's not necessarily the right answer either, but at this point, what do they have to lose? Because the goals aren't going if- in anyway. Brandon's doing it for the league. He's, you know, taking Cincinnati from the bottom of the league into the playoffs and now, you know, into, you know, into the next round. So for sure, at this point, you got to think that Burr is thinking, like really considering it. And that, like I said, at this point, just, just go up, just do it. Just but take them. Why not? There, there are other guys that are in the same position that are already sort of integrated into the team. Like, Siebatu has been very good in Germany. Um, and he also goes by P folk as well. You might know him as that name. Um, he's been very, very good in the top flight of Germany. Um, Josh Sargent has had a really good season. So like, there's a bunch of guys that kind of ha- are in that same boat where they've had decent run-ins to the world cup and kind of could be in that same position, but they haven't really started with the team. Um, so I think he's more inclined to take one of those guys as opposed to Vasquez, who's never played with the national team, never played on the national stage and doesn't really know anybody else in that locker room. Cause if you're bringing a third striker, who's probably not going to play. You kind of just don't want to mess up the chemistry in the locker room, right? Like you, you don't want to take that risk that he is kind of the cancer in the team. And obviously not saying that Vasquez would be a cancer, but sometimes things just don't fit right. Um, so it's a lot less risky to kind of take one of those other guys that's that's also been uh, kind of firing on all cylinders. Um, but I want to go back to something that you said earlier, uh, Nashi, about um, our, our guy Salantano, right? Uh, what a pick that was from Cincinnati in the Super Draft this year at number two overall. Everybody kind of expecting them to take Kip Keller because they had such a bad defense and they had our Alec Khan already in. And they kind of go this different direction and take Celentano. Uh, and they just kind of, that was a very outside the box type move. And it seems to have worked out beautifully for them. Um, always kind of said Celentano would be the future. And he was a great goalkeeper when he came of age. Didn't know that he would come of age this season, though. This is very fast for a super draft pick to be integrated into a team. And much less to beat out a guy like Alec Khan. Granted, he had some help with the Alicante injury, but once he got that spot, he has not looked back. So 100% fair play to Celentano, and he's he's really earned that spot. And, and as long as Cincinnati keeps going, you just have more and more confidence in a young guy getting more and more starts under his belt. Yeah, definitely. I mean, and yeah, and like kind of we talked about before about goalkeepers for next season. Um, you're feeling more and more confident that that spot's his to lose. It's coming out next season, that's another under-23 option for the, for the Surrey community there. So... Yeah, he's looking good. We'll see how... Um, and it's kind of nice to see these young players. Like, yeah, I agree with both both what you were talking about with Vasquez. You know, he's a bit young coming up, but it's a good check mark on his career that he's played a big playoff game. The moment's come to him and he's delivered in a big moment. That just takes him up a notch from regular season performance, you know, like especially as a centre forward, you got these sort of legendary players like Drogba and players like this where they were kind of known to step up in the big moments. So, and obviously the national team is the biggest of the big moments, the world cup. So yeah, maybe not this time, but I think it's just a good little check mark next to his name. He's got a goal in the playoffs and uh, yeah, Celentano put a good performance and this kind of echoes the same thing there. 
yeah, we'll see exactly how far Cincinnati can go. And uh, that'll be a very interesting game between Philadelphia and new Philadelphia, right? Like the, the protege against the master type of a deal in the next round. So that'll be very fun to see those guys go back to Philly. How do you guys, how do you guys feel about that rest? So there's, there's that argument between with people saying that, you know, they have the extra rest and like, sometimes it could actually backfire on teams. What are your personal opinions on that? Do you think it actually does backfire for like a team to have that rest? Yeah. Like since he's coming off a big win, they're coming into this game with momentum, right? They are hot. They're ready to go. They can take on the world right now. Is is that something Philly has to be worried about? A hundred percent. Yeah. And from, from, the individual team's perspective, right? If you're Philly, you get the buy, so you don't have to play, um, which is nice because you're guaranteed to be in that round. From Cincinnati's perspective, they're not guaranteed to be in the second round. if they go out and win a game. But now that they've gotten through that game and they've already won it, now I think they do have a little bit of an advantage going to Philadelphia. We saw it last year with New England, a team that was pretty head and shoulders above everybody else all year long. And then they go home and they just played a dud of a game against NYC and still could have won it, but, but couldn't finish it off at the end. Um, and it's uh, yeah, a hundred percent. Now that was a lot longer of a layoff than this will be. This is only going to be um, like a week and a half long layoff for these two number one seeds, which I think does diminish the um, negativity of it. Um, but yeah, I think, I think it's, definitely an advantage to have already played in a playoff game and have that momentum and have that um, belief that you can win as opposed to just coming in cold uh, into the playoffs. What are your thoughts, Nashi? Yeah. I mean, I've been there actually. I've played, you know, in college, it was, it was like that. And it kind of depends on, yeah, it depends on the condition. It depends on fitness. It seems like they got through the game unscathed, but mentally too, like we said about Vasquez, these young players, there is a toll to play in, in these big games mentally, emotionally. And maybe you don't feel like that on the day of the next day. But I, I, I can see just to sort of play – what, you, what you're saying is true. They do have the momentum. They're going to be flying. But there is still a mental and emotional, physical toll from playing big games like this back-to-back. So I think it goes either way. I, don't, I wouldn't say there's a clear advantage either way. Coming in fresh after a long, grueling season, I think there's some points to be had there. Philadelphia seem like a mentally strong, focused, know what they're doing uni. I don't think they're going to have switched off. So I'm still back in Philly, but I'd like, I'd, yeah. I, my heart wants Cincy to do do uh, do some disruption there. But but yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, it's an interesting thing to talk about. That, that momentum, especially with the youngsters, yeah, maybe they go into it, just absolutely fly and, and kind of cause a real upset. Yeah, and I think you, you have a good point there uh, as well about, you know, having some rest after the long season. Last year, it was like too much rest, right? It was like 21 days that they, that New England was off or something wild. And it was like, you're out of your routine. Like they literally played a friendly game against somebody else, just like behind closed doors, just to like keep in shape. Uh, this is a lot different. This is almost like just having one week off and coming right back in and just getting that uh, perfect amount of rest that you need in order to freshen up and then going back out there. So yeah, I, I don't think this is as big a deal as it was last year. Clearly last year was a huge deal. Um, and Philly is obviously very supremely talented, but this is where Philly's faltered in the past. So this is now a mental roadblock that Jim Curtin and the union are going to have to get through uh, and get through this Cincinnati team because they're facing a dangerous team, right? We talked about that big three up front Vasquez and Brenner and Acosta. Nobody wants to face those guys but they're going up against the best defense in the MLS. So it'll be uh, it'll be a very interesting kind of tactical battle. 
Um, and we talked about how Cincinnati is basically built like Philly. They're exactly the same team. They're built on the Philly model. Um, so it'll be interesting to see those two teams go head to head. Um, let's transition a little bit and talk about LA Galaxy and Nashville. Obviously, Galaxy get the one nothing win in this game. Um, and a lot of people, Jorge included, apparently had Nashville going a little ways in these playoffs. But alas, it is one game and done again for Nashville. Um, LA Galaxy, big win. What are your thoughts, Nashi? Yeah, I mean, I watched I watched this game and like I think Galaxy, I have a soft spot for them. It was the first MLS game I went to and uh, first game of the season last year. And I've been watching, paying close attention to them. And it's kind of the transitions they needed to make. Credit to Greg Vaney. He's made it through the season. It's been almost completely under the radar of a couple of these guys are talking, bring in. I'm talking about Gaston Brugman being potentially the most impactful signing of the season that no one knows about. You know, Ricky Puget's come in and been unbelievable. He's going to get all the headlines. But at the same time, Brugman's come in and the balance that they have in that midfield now has really been the difference to them being a good team with talent, but like kind of ineffective on days, not really looking like they have much identity, just kind of a bunch of pieces pushed together. That 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 three in the middle, they got Brugman, Delgado, and then Puget just pulling strings all over the pitch is just made an absolute world of difference for them. So credit to him himself and, and the recruitment for bringing him in. And I don't think a lot of people kind of given the dues um, they deserves. They bring in Caceres, which was obviously a pretty big name. His career has kind of been up and down the last few years. And he's come in and done a good job. He gets the start over Derek Williams, who'd been a starter for them for most of the season. And, and yeah, they look good back there. Them two veteran players coming in in important positions have really, uh, really turned the favour around. Ricky Puge, obviously, can, can everyone's, everyone knows already what he can do. And uh, he's just kind of been the catalyst for this playoff run and just made him a completely different team from what we saw at the start of the season and a different threat. Um, just they can now possess the ball kind of with impunity. They dominate the game more. And you saw it in this game. Nashville really struggled to get on it, really struggled to look, you know, to really hurt hurt them going forward. And it sometimes that's about, yeah, we've got really good defenders. We're up against really good players. But possession is sort of an underrated defend, defensive metric, a defensive weapon. And the Galaxy, with their possession now and the quality of it, with them three in the middle, really really stopped Nashville really looking looking like a threat. So I think there's a lot to be said for the Galaxy. And from, from the outside, you can kind of see, all right, Ricky Puget's come in. That's been the change. But Brugman and Caceres in there as well have really made a difference. Um, something to note in this game was Douglas Costa getting the start. They had a crucial game to get home advantage um, for this game uh, last week. And Douglas Costa got the start in that game. So now I'm thinking, and he's actually played a couple of decent games after having a massively ineffect, uh, ineffectual season there. I wonder if his, this can be his redemption for his year. If he, if he goes on and puts in another few good performances, gets a goal or two, hurts the other team and brings uh, the title back to LA, maybe there can be talk of redemption for him because he really owes them that. Uh, yeah, Samuel Granser's come on, play really well. So throughout the team... They've just really put it together and they were the better, better side here. And probably three, two, three months ago, if you said Nashville or Galaxy, yeah, I'd have probably lent with Jorge instead fancy Nashville in that one. But it, it was a kind of a one-sided affair from the way I saw it. And uh, the Galaxy are going to be a problem. Absolutely massive game 
uh, sort of El Trafico postseason coming up this mm-hmm. Thursday. And yeah. I think that, yeah, before what I've seen recently, LAFC would have been going to it with a lot of confidence. But I think this is going to be a very, very close game and a very dangerous fixture for uh, LAFC to. So here's here's my question to you, Jorge, because the LA Galaxy have not kept a clean sheet since July 24th against Atlanta. That's almost three months of soccer with no clean sheet. Was this LA Galaxy playing well or was this Nashville having nothing in the attack going forward? Uh, it, it was a mixture of both, to be honest, because LA Galaxy did look really good in this game uh, and they came out strong. Uh, Grand Seer completely changed the game. Raheem Edwards. Didn't really do much, and his scores don't reflect on it, even on so rare. But he just getting up on that wing with the overlapping runs just stretched Nashville so much, and literally got Nashville out of wits every time. Like they could, they could not keep track of the runners and everything. And Nashville just they came out with a terrible lineup. Like look, all right, and their coach was out sick. Like Gary Smith, I think was out. Like so, he wasn't even there. Godoy was on the bench. Sapong was on the bench. Schaffelberg, which has changed them, which has been able to stretch the back line and help Mukhtar get into space. And Dax McCarty were on the bench for Nashville. You're talking these guys who are veterans, have been around the league, have been in this situation before, all on the bench. And it reflected because Nashville had nothing. You didn't have – Bunbury was not going to stretch the back line, pull defenders away from Mukhtar, and give them the space to work the way he wanted to. It just was never going to happen. Dax wasn't going to be there to control the midfield and really like push the ball forward. You know, Sean Davis is great. Leal is great. Anunga can be decent, but they're not going to like, they're not going to be box to box and really like connect the defense to like the forwards. And that was where Nashville really struggled. So yeah. Did galaxy look really, really good? Yes. But did they also play an unorganized Nashville? I also think so. And I think they just play their tactics completely wrong. And Pooj really does change the game because the way he fed Chicharito completely dominated that game. And that goal that got taken away, not only was it sad because it was a really, really nice goal, but it also made me lose money. So I also hate it. I also <laughs> Which hate it is the real match. reason that Which we hate that Which is the real one. reason I hate it. <laughs> but yeah, dude. Yeah, Galaxy, either way, they were gonna they were gonna win this game. Nashville didn't really show up. And if they did, it was just it it was it was a really weird lineup for them to put out there, and it doesn't really yeah. make sense. Yeah, that's definitely an, an odd one and one that uh, maybe Gary will not be uh, trying to get sick here for the next one. I, I don't know if you, I, I don't know how you control that, but that, yeah, was definitely a huge blow. It sounds like. I don't know whose decision that, that was. And I who's don't know dis- how Gary who made that call? That. Oh, that was horrible, horrible, uh, horrible job coaching. Um, yeah. So obviously you alluded to it earlier, Nashi here. We've got LAFC, LA Galaxy in the playoffs at LAFC. This is the supporter shield winners going up against the scrappy underdogs who are also happen to be the best team in MLS history. Um, what's, what do we make of this game? Like break this down for me for, uh, for the matchups and, and what this is really going to mean for the, for the city of LA and, and then give me your prediction on who's going to win it. Yeah. Like we, we, we spoke before, this is a real, real rivalry. Um, it's not, you, you, you can feel it around the city. Obviously, I live live just north of LA. And when you go there, you can feel the there is a real actual intense rivalry here. So the atmosphere is going to be absolutely electric. I already had a look. The tickets are sold out. <laughs> can't can't get them for for uh for anything. And I think that it's it's a tough one because you as much as sort of we're praising the galaxy and what they've done, it's hard to look past the talent the LAFC has at their disposal. We're talking, they're going from facing a team here in Nashville that has Till Bunbury, 
as their talisman. No disrespect to the lad, but you know what I mean? I feel like I could pocket him if uh, I had half a chance, whereas now they're going to be coming up against the likes of Bao, Arango, Buanga, Apoku, uh, Tello, all these attacking threats. If Fuentes is in there, there isn't Can a weak say spot. Vela? Did you say Vela in there? Vela as well. Yeah, you I don't think. even need to. Right? There's that many of them. Yeah. I missed one. Hold on. Yeah, whatever. But that's what <laughs> I mean. Like, it's a different proposition for them. I don't think that they're going to keep a clean sheet this game. So it's going to come down to who can produce the big moments. Like, and we got, if you look again, I think that the midfield battle I'd give to the Galaxy. So if they can control the game in there, <laughs> if they can find spaces for Puge, I think. That's going to be the key for them to win in the game. I think Araujo and Edwards, they're usually very, very effective going forward. And it's going to be a real cat and mouse game with the talent that LAFC have on the wings. So it's going to come down to individual matchups. Who can step up on the day? Both teams have players that have been there and done it on the biggest stage in the world. We're talking about Chicharito, Douglas Costa, Gareth Bale, Carlos Vela. These are, these are players for the big moment. They're not going to be phased. And I really think it's going to be small margins and whoever kind of can can be clinical on the day, can win their matchups, is going to come through this. I'm really excited. I think this is the most excited I've been about for a game all season. So, yeah, the city is going to be buzzing. I'm going to try and go down there by hook or by crook, try and find a ticket and get, get to that game because um, I think it's going to be absolutely electric. And I don't have a prediction. I, I, could, I could see a world where it goes completely either way. And uh, yeah, there's going to be the protagonists all over the pitch. They're going to going to dictate that. So yeah, I'm excited. Okay. You- so so you don't have a prediction. You do, you're not going to give like an overall score. But you said this game comes down to matchups. What's the matchup to watch? Which which matchup decides this game? Well, I think that the two key areas I think they're going to dictate the game is starting in the midfield because if the Galaxy can control the midfield like they did against Nashville. And uh, Jorge mentioned McCarty came on and he got on the ball and actually they looked a lot better because he was putting a foot on the ball in the midfield, but they kind of were lacking that before. Whereas if the Galaxy can control the midfield, that then allows Araujo and Edwards to push on more with more confidence because they got the ball. And then that's going to pull back. Carlos Vela is not going to track Raheem Edwards. And that's going to be a problem if Galaxy are controlling possession of the ball. If that midfield battle gets closer and they can't get Puig on the ball. They can't get Brugman pulling strings, Delgado. And it becomes a bit of more of a chaotic game. Now, Raheem Edwards and Araujo getting forward is going to be a problem for the Galaxy, leaving spaces for players that you don't want to leave spaces for in behind. That's going to stretch the centre-backs, and there's going to be goals going in there. So in terms of the key areas, the front three of both teams are going to be clinical. If you give them the chances, there's going to be good chance it's going to go in the back of the net. So I'd say that's kind of a wash, maybe edged with edged for the LAFC just with the players they've got. But the, the key key place in this game to watch is going to be the midfield battle, who can win that battle and then dictate the possession. Because the possession then allows Edwards and Araujo who can be really, really effective if they get forward at the right times and overload. Because that's the one weakness when you're looking at Carlos Vejar. He's not going to track back, you know. And you can't, yeah. in big matchups, in big games at the top level, which maybe they don't face in the MLS every week. You can't get away with that. You can get really punished with that. So that's going to be the key for me, the midfield battle, and then who wins the cat and mouse game between the two LA, LA Galaxy uh, fullbacks 
and the wingers for LAFC. And it's going to be, it's going to be exciting, mate. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll keep an eye out. There's going to be some dark arts. There's going to be some dirty plan. It's going to be loud. It's gonna, It's just going to be everything that's great about the MLS is going to be showed off in this one game. So if you're in Europe, make sure you get up very, very early. It's at like 4 a.m. Greenwich time, I think. Um, so make sure you get up early and watch that game because it'll be a classic. That'll be Friday morning for you guys, Thursday night here in the States. Jorge, really quickly, give me a prediction for this game, LAFC, LA Galaxy. Where do you want to go? Dude, chaos. Just just chaos. I was chaos. like, while Nashi was talking, I was really trying to find and pick something different. But I think Nashi's completely right. It's going to come down to the backs, the outside backs, and really who gets forward and which wingers can actually put in that defensive work, right? Because even Hollingshead and Palacios love to get up. You let Hollingshead sneak up and you just let him find that open space on the opposite side. If they can switch to him, he's going to put in a deadly cross. Like Hollingshead, yeah, he may be a little slower. Yeah, he's getting old, but he can still provide quality box, quality balls into the box that can really change the game. And it's really going to come down to which backs pick, pick, pick their chances. They're going to have to be really, really strategic and really pick their perfect times to go up because if they get caught out, each, each, each one, each one of these teams have three people up top that can destroy you in the back. And they will get in behind and they will exploit you 100%. And it's really going to come down to that. And it really comes down to who do they play in the midfield? Does Kellen Acosta fill in those spaces? Latif Blessing is also someone that's going to be perfect for this game because he's going to be everywhere and anywhere. And can Delgado really step up and dominate that midfield? You know, and if if Galaxy falls behind, Ricky Puig pushes up, then what's going to happen? They're going to expose themselves in the back. So it's really going to, it's going to really, really come down to who finishes their chances and who takes who takes those chances and really puts them in the back of the net when it really matters. Cause at the end of the day, it's, it's going to be full blown chaos back and forth football. And it's, it's going to come down who scores last literally. Like there's yeah. really, there's really no back and forth. These two teams are dominant. They're going to push each other off the ball. It's going to be a chippy game. There's going to be fights and it's going to be exciting. I think, so, I think if it goes that way, where it's a chaotic game, where they get caught up in a drama of the, the moment, the intensity of the rivalry and all these things, I think that gives the advantage to LAFC. I think Galaxy have got really, really disciplined, try and slow the game down at the start, make some passes, take the edge out of it for the first half of the game, take the sting out of the crowd, take the sting out of the moment. And they've got the players to do that. They've got the players to do that. I'd sit back. I wouldn't get the fullbacks going on too early. I'd get them nice and tight, keep the ball, knock it around, and if that if they can slow it down, even though that's probably not what we want to see as a neutral, I think that's what they need to do to have an impact in this game. Because if it's if it's man for man chaos, big blows, I think LAFC has the edge. They got the crowd. They got you know. So they have the match winners for sure. Yeah. yeah. So I think that if it goes that way, or hey, where where it's just absolute madness, I think um, LAFC will be be advancing through. Yeah, this is absolutely wild that we we're talking about a team with Chicharito, Douglas Costa, and Ricky Pooch, and saying, "Yeah, the other team has the match winners." Like these guys are like that's how much talent is in this game. That's just absolutely absurd to me. Um, so yeah, it'll it'll definitely be an interesting one and one where uh, yeah, you you definitely need to get off to a good start uh, in order to kind of hold that if you're if you're the LA Galaxy. Now, a team that did get off to a good start today that did not get off to a good finish was RSL going into Austin 2-0 up, and they could not hold on. They gave up a goal before halftime to make it 2-1, and then an absolutely stupid challenge to get sent off in the 51st minute, followed by an Austin equalizer 
and then they got to, to extra time. They were able to see it out through to penalties, but then they cracked in penalties, missing three of their four shots, and they are out. Uh, could not advance on penalties this year like they did last year against Seattle. So Austin makes it through here to the next round. What are our just brief thoughts about this game and, and what it means for Austin to be moving forward into the uh, conference semifinals? Start with you, Jorge. Austin, I they got lucky. Austin, especially RSL, came out fast, came out strong. They were passing the ball like it, like their lives depended on it. And Austin was Austin got really, really frustrated very, very quickly. And it didn't really help. The RSL got an early goal. Then they got a penalty. They went down 2-0. And you could tell Austin was flustered. And they lost they lost their heads for a little bit. And Luckily for them, Rubio Rabin is on Real Salt Lake and already had a yellow chasing the ball down. I get it. You want to win this game. You want to put it away. You're there for the moment, but you cannot go studs first at the keeper from like five feet away and expect for it to just be fine and dandy. Bold and, strategy, Cotton. <laughs> and it, it really it really flipped the game. It gave it gave Austin that confidence to just really, really move forward. RSL down a man up 2-0. Obviously, they were really just going to sit behind the ball and really try to defend the rest of the game, and that's what happened. And Austin was really just pinging in balls left and right from the wings, just hoping for something to fall through until one finally did, and it kind of gave him that push to fight for the second. And, yeah, the rest was history. And then RSL thought that they could win in pens like they always do, but they're not Orlando City, okay? They don't have that perfect penalty record, okay? So they couldn't do it, and they fell short to Austin in Austin. Good for their fans, but it's going to hurt even worse when you get knocked out even later. This, this is going to be really ironic if Orlando ends up losing on penalties tonight. Stop. <laughs> and, Stop. <laughs> I'm just I'm just throwing that out there. I yeah, I know. Boys. Yeah, we got we to get ready. If Orlando gets penalties, they're definitely winning this now. Um, but yeah, I, it's obviously uh, uh, you're 100% right on the money there. Austin kind of dodging a bullet, kind of getting a little bit lucky their first playoff game in team history. Uh, and RSL kind of throws it away at the end there. Um, moving forward, Nashi, what do we think about Austin's chances going forward? Obviously, they play Dallas or Minnesota, the winner of that, which is tomorrow night. Um, they'll be hosting that game as well. Potential Texas Derby uh, with Dallas there. Um, what, do, what do we think about Austin's chances now that they've gotten the first one out of the way? Is this something they could build on or is this team just not really built for the playoffs? Yeah, I think they this this is massive. Them just getting through by hook or by crook. They rode their luck in this game. I mean, a penalty... Going to penalties against 10 men was probably, you, you know, showed that they weren't really at it. They've been scoring goals for fun this season. They really looked like they were struggling to break down 10-man RSL. In, in terms of how this game went, this is a, a, their first playoff game in front of their home fans. Big expectations. And RSL, massive credit to them, went about the game exactly how on paper you'd want them to go about. They came out, they were in their faces early pressure not giving a second they came out absolutely flying kind of banking I think on the moment being pretty big for some of these Austin players the franchise the fans you know uncharted territory there and it worked it worked they really rattled them early they got them off their stride they didn't let them settle into the game into the moment more importantly that being said massive mistakes obviously for RSL terrible red card um, to, to pick up there and the game went away from them and Austin make it through by the skin of their teeth so it really comes down to how much they learn from this game. You know, how much getting through this moment will settle the nerves. And if they can go into the next game as if they have been in the regular season where they've been devastating at home, you know, they don't have the nerves. 
then I think they can be a real force. They can beat either of those sides at home. They're probably a favourite in my book. They got the pieces. They got the talent. This is be again come down to mentality. That's why these big playoff games are so important. They're so fun to watch because you can't, you don't know what's going to happen. If I'm if I'm their opposition, whoever wins that game, I'm going to do exactly the same as RSL did. I'm going to come out absolutely flying. Say first five minutes, see if they're about it. See if they're going to get, you know, see if they got the mentality there because they have the quality. We know they have the quality. So that was the only concern I'd have for them going forward. But if they can figure that out, if they've learned from this, if they've sort of sometimes it takes something like that, you you get a second chance almost, and uh, that that kicks you on to even greater heights. So. I still have faith in Austin, but I think the first 30 minutes of the next game will tell us a lot about their uh, the future they've got in this, in this playoff run. Yeah, 100%. And I, I think it'll be very interesting to watch the game, especially if it's against Dallas, because those two teams know each other so well. Um, but yeah, congratulations to two teams getting their first ever playoff wins this weekend. Cincinnati and Austin are both off uh, off and running as far as franchises in, in the, in the, in the uh, MLS. Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll transition a little bit here and just talk a little bit about this game. So we'll, obviously the people will have seen what's transpired tonight between Montreal and Orlando. Um, but just give us a little bit of, of what you're anticipating, what you're hoping, I guess, maybe, um, and then maybe where it could all go wrong. If it does all go wrong, where did it go all wrong? Orlando city. Mm -hmm. Oh, where did it all go wrong? Uh, if it goes wrong, where will it have gone wrong? It's not going to go wrong, obviously. But what's going to happen is Rodrigo Schlegel is going to fall asleep, ball watching, let someone in behind him, give up an easy goal, and then we're going to lose our heads. Because Orlando City, team full of South Americans, when they get spicy, they get spicy. And it's happened to, dude, it's happened to our team so many times when they get put up. And it hasn't happened this year, which is good. And I think Nani leaving had something to do with that because Nani literally, while here, like he just got everybody so heated, so mad, arguing, like, Last year, we were surrounding the ref over the dumbest little calls. Like the team got in a lot of trouble for it. So I think the key to this game is just playing, playing our game, knowing what they're there to do, and really just staying solid defensively and getting the ball to Facundo. And when the ball is with Facundo, just having our guys running off the ball and really finding those open spaces kind of relieve some pressure and then just letting him sneak in behind. It's going to come down to just, yeah, solid defense and putting a ball into the net, which is something that you never know you're really going to get with this team. Because it could be there and it could not be there on any given night. And honestly, Montreal is a really solid team. I know Kamal Miller has already come out. We left him unprotected in the expansion draft and he got drafted and he's been kind of salty ever since, which I was a big fan. Okay, Kamal, if you're listening, I was a fan. Okay, don't come at me. Don't punish us because I thought you were a class player. Don't All right. Punish us. All right. Don't punish us, please. But it, it's going to be a fun matchup. It really is. Um, I know Kyoto's out, but Kai Kamara has been smashing. Out of nowhere, he's never going to quit. He's never going to retire. And dude, he's he's a big presence in the box. And with Schlegel and you know Antonio Carlos back there, if he gets the better of him, man, it's going to be really really hard. And it really comes down to it. Pedro has a really really good night too. Because if you ask me, the body language has been a little weird since he lost and they got knocked out of the World Cup qualifying, yeah, and he hasn't 100%. really been the same. And I don't know if it's just me, but just watching him on the pitch, like week in and week out, it's not really there. Uh, so it really comes down to him and if he can really step up to the moment too. And we know it's there. We've seen the saves that he can do. We've seen what he can do. Uh, it's just a matter. And if he's there or not, it's there. there. There's a lot, there's a lot deeper issues and on the field stuff, I think with our back line, that has really like been the root of the problem and why 
we barely crawled into the playoffs this year when we've been pretty solid and up near the top for almost 90% of it. So if you lose yeah. tonight, if you lose tonight, is this the last time you'll see Galese and Facundo in a Orlando shirt? Not Facundo. From what I've seen, from what everybody says and the way he like speaks about the club, uh, Facundo's here for a while. He knows that there's prospects, but he doesn't really seem to be in the hurry. Uh, he That is just a kid that lives in the moment, plays his game, and he's just happy as can be where he is. And he's the star right now. He is solely carrying the team on his back. So for a kid like that, you know, at 22, just having that kind of confidence just has to be really good for him as well. As far as Gayese, from what I know is he's asking for a lot more money and the club's not really budging on that. Uh, and th- that's another thing is that there, there have been no contract negotiations. He is on a contract year. Um, and it seems like maybe, I don't know if he's holding himself to a higher standard or the club's just kind of just really not wanting to spend that kind of money on a goalkeeper, which I don't understand why, cause he's class. Um, but yeah, that's also up in the year. And I, if we lose, I think a might be out, but it, it really just depends. How much do you think the weather affects the skin? Because it's going to be in Canada in October. It's 45 degrees right now is what it says. Um, I mean, obviously, it could have been a lot worse, right? It could be snowing. It could be, I mean, this is Canada in October. Uh, It could be a lot worse. But having played all year in Orlando in 90 degrees and in 100% humidity, can they now transition to playing at 45 degrees at night in in Canada? Do you think that's a factor? No. It was, it was way okay. colder last year when we played Montreal on decision day and whooped them 2-0 to make the playoffs and kick them out. So we love kicking people out of the playoffs on decision day. Uh, we did it to Montreal last year, 2-0, and we'll try to do it again tonight. So not did to, it to not, Columbus this year. Yeah, Columbus this year. Then we're going to knock Montreal out of the playoffs this year. So, you know, now I'm, I'm not it, – it's really just going to come down in moments and if we could finish in front, of the, in front of the net because that is just one thing we can't do. And can we, can we feed Kara? Can we really get out there? Can Kara use his body like he doesn't really use it instead of getting pushed off the ball and really just get in there and put some stuff behind the net? It's really going to come down to them producing and doing what they can do and sticking to their plan. So one of the one of the guys that we may see for the last time in a uh, in a Montreal jersey is uh, Georgi Mihailovic. Obviously, their their tallies went off to uh, Holland at the end of the season here. Um, he is so crucial to everything that Montreal does. And obviously you you've mentioned Kai Kamara having a great year. Nashi, how does this look from the Montreal perspective? Are they kind of confident heading into this one? Obviously they're the two seed finished just below Philadelphia in the standings. Um, is this one where maybe Montreal feels like this could be their year to kind of go on a run, even though no one's really talking about them as the number two seed in the East. Yeah. I don't think it's not just Montreal. who thinks that they could go on a run. Cause I kind of think that too. Sorry, Jorge, but Montreal are a brilliant side. They're, yeah, like, no one really talks about them. They're up there in Canada. They're, they're kind of, they're not like the necessarily most glamorous side on paper. They don't have big names. Yeah. They don't they need don't them. have big names, but they have very good players, which is, yeah. <laughs> it should normally line up. But, it, you know, um, the player who stands out to me that kind of people don't talk about on so rare or in, I mean, I guess they do in real life, but he's not, um, not super hyped. He's, I don't know if you watch much of Ishmael Kone. But every Ooh. time I watched him play, he scored against the fire. That's how I know I'm <laughs> very aware of him. But he he was he's absolutely brilliant. He's a monster. I, I think he's young, like yeah. 19, 20, 21 years old. But he's physical. He gets around the pitch. He's he's sort of a real sort of defensive central midfield monster. Like and and he's really effective in there. And kind of no one 
speaks about him, but he's a top quality player. I expect him to, he, he, he has the attributes and the kind of the physicality and yeah, the quality, I think to go beyond the MLS maybe in the future, because I think he's Canadian. I'm not sure, but um, yeah. yeah, he's really, really impressed me and someone that I guess maybe not everyone's kept an eye on. And yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, I mean, uh, with, uh, with Kone. Yeah. He's had a lot of interest from overseas as well. A lot of people around Montreal kind of expect that this will be his last year there as well. Cause he's had some, some interest from some big teams in Europe. And like you mentioned, very young guy still coming, kind of coming into his own. Um, but between him and Georgie, uh, this team is going to look kind of completely different. So this is oh, kind of one Yama. Yeah. When Yama will be gone. So like this team is going to be completely different next season. And this is kind of a, a last ride for them. Now, here's what concerns me about Montreal. All right. You throw out the last day against Miami, where Miami has already clinched a playoff spot. They didn't really care. That's a really shocking defense going on. Um, so throw that one out. The last time that Montreal beat a team that actually made the playoffs was back on May 28th when they beat Cincinnati. So the last time they beat a team that made the playoffs on either side, the West or the East. Um They've kind of been beating up on bad teams. There are obviously no bad teams left now. Does that concern you at all, Nashi? Or is this uh, is this a team that can you still think can can kind of go go on a run? No, that, yeah, that definitely concerns me. I think that again, it's, it, these are it, the way that they play. Though it's a bit like Philadelphia, where like they kind of they kind of know what they're doing. They got experience in the right areas. They haven't got like standout players, like you said. Obviously, Georgie's like the crown in the jewel. Uh, Kyoto obviously is injured but he's he's obviously a proven player in a league but they kind of know their system and I think going into the playoffs that can be sort of an underrated attribute for a squad you know they kind of it kind of we saw it of RSL today they weren't sort of relying on one player to do or a couple of players to do it and then when it doesn't they kind of fall apart they just kind of know their jobs and that's why I expect Philadelphia to be effective in the playoffs too you know it's a bit like the Man City thing we see in the Premier League where it's hard for them to sort of crumble and fall apart. They're not sort of maybe as emotional as like some other top teams because they just, everyone knows exactly what they're doing. They're like robots. And then they get it to Holland and he buries it in the back of the net. Obviously, I'm not... If I'm Montreal not had Holland, this would be a totally different conversation. I'm not comparing Chico. Montreal to Manchester City. But I'm saying when I watch them, they look like a team that's, that knows their roles. They're organised. And I think that will stand them in good stead in high-pressure playoff situations. And I think the same for Philadelphia. And to give an opposite team to that kind of system is maybe an Austin we saw today, where Austin have talent and they have this flair and this sort of creativity about them. But when the moment got big and things weren't going their way, you definitely saw kind of the wheels come off for a second. and they were trying to recalibrate and they got kind of lucky. Whereas I think something, something goes wrong against Philly or... Montreal, they're going to just carry on doing the same thing and playing the same way and hoping they get a breakthrough, you know? And and I think, yeah, in these big moments, maybe that will be a little advantage for them. So I think that's exactly going to be my point the other direction, right? Austin has the big moment for Sebastian Giussi, who steps up and gives them the lift that they needed when things kind of weren't going right. Um, and you're talking about, you know, Man City at the Premier League. You're talking about uh, RSL in the in the regular season. You're talking about Montreal in the regular season. You're talking about Philly in the regular season. All these teams typically, when they get to the big moment in the playoff, struggle because they don't have that big game winner type of a guy that can kind of 
drag them through when they're not really playing well or when the, when the going gets tough, right? Georgie Mihailovic is kind of that guy. So he might be enough for them to kind of drag through. Um, but these teams like RSL that aren't the most talented, like they don't have the biggest names, but they're very well coached and they all know their jobs and they're very disciplined. They overachieve in the regular season and then get to the playoffs and then just don't have that extra gear that the really great teams have. And that's why I think they tend to struggle when you're just playing one game against the opposition. Um, having a good long-term outlook is great in the regular season, but it doesn't help you in that one game. You need that match winner. That's going to come up with a goal out of nothing when you're, when you're kind of backs against the wall. Now is Facundo Torres, that guy for Orlando city, Jorge. Of course he is. Of course he's the guy. Honestly, the team is the the team is the guy. And I, I really saw it against Columbus. Facuno's that player now where Facuno is getting triple teamed against Columbus. As soon as like he was getting past the ball, like in the corner on the wing, the entire the entire defense was completely just like flooding that side and trying to box him in. So it, it really comes down to everybody else and creating that space for him, playing off the ball, making those runs, kind of doing that off the ball work that's gonna allow him to eventually kind of one to it, find himself in the position and put it in. Cause at the end of the day, Facundo is the only one that's solidly pr- providing like results at the end of the day, everybody else can do it too. Urso has been really solid this year. Incredible season for Urso. Kara again with service and Gulo has been incredible for this team. We signed four wingers, eventually one of them stuck and it was Angulo. So, you know, we're really excited about that and he might have a bright future too. He's on here on loan with the option to buy. Uh, which from the looks of it, we might be picking that up the way this season has ended. So it'll, it's, yeah, I hate to put it on one guy, especially a kid who just brand new to the league, but yeah, this win comes from Facundo and his production. Yeah. It might not be his goal, but he will have some sort of hand in those goals that win us the game tonight. Interesting. Yeah. I think it's, it's who's the best player on the pits. Is it Georgie or is it Facundo? And I think that kind of decides this game, right? Um so yeah, I think I think this will be an interesting game, and obviously moving forward, whichever of these two teams moves forward out of this game, uh, they'll be going up against either NYCFC or Miami. We've mentioned Dallas, Minnesota is still to come, and obviously the two teams with buys Philly and the LAFC. Um, what and we'll kind of wrap up with this. Just give me your overall uh, kind of view of the playoffs. Who ends up winning the MLS Cup and why? We'll start with you, Jorge. Me? Uh, yeah. All right. So if Philly doesn't lose to us in the conference finals, right? Philly will win the whole thing. I think, <laughs> yeah. Basically, that's what it comes you down to. You can keep right? your Orlando City card because you said we're going to win, but but your answer is Philly. Yes, yes. my Yeah, 100%. My answer is Philly. I think Philly, they, they can get past Cincy. It's whether they do. And, I mean, whether it's us or Montreal, uh, in the conference finals against Philly. That's basically the way I see the East going. It's Philly against either us or Montreal. Whoever wins this game tonight is wow. going to go to the conference finals. And again, same thing. I had Nashville going all the way in the West. Uh, but as of right now, I think LAFC makes it through and we have a final of Philly and LAFC. And I think, yeah, Philly, just the consistency is going to put them over the top where LAFC, you never really know what you're going to get with them. Uh, so yeah, I have Philly going all the way against LAFC. One versus one. Very chalky there from Jorge. What about you, Nashi? What do you think? The cup is coming to Los Angeles. Mm. The winner of the game on Thursday is going to bring it home. I don't okay. see the depth in... I think Philadelphia have a great chance, like Jorge says. 
But when you look at these two teams now, the we spoke about the starting 11 a minute ago when we were running through the matchup, but the, the quality that they have in depth, both of them teams, whichever one makes it, I think might prove crucial as this run goes on. And I think that both LA teams have the spots. They have game winners on the bench. And we're not talking about Kevin Cabral. We're going to spare him the blushes. But it's all with Dejan Jovalich, Efren Alvarez. These guys can come onto any team in any moment in the league and be a problem, get a goal, change the game. I think Jovalich won the Galaxy uh, fan-voted player of the year. And he don't think he started a game, which is he started a couple of games. But he scored more goals per minute than any player in the league. He's he's a goal scorer. He's a game changer. And that's good. in these one-off games, like you said, that can be the difference. LAFC have exactly the same weapons at their arsenal. I'm just really stuck in between. the. I want the Galaxy to win. Um, I want them to do it. But, yeah, it's, it's hard to put your neck on the line against uh, the talent LAFC is. But I think... If I'm going to sit on the fence softly, I think it's coming back to Los Angeles. Um, the winner of that game goes the whole way. So what about you? you got to, uh, you got to put right, your neck Chris, out there. What's the hot take, Chris? For sure. Oh, you know, it's going to be a hot take with me, right? Um, so yeah, I think, uh, I think LA galaxy is actually not a bad shout. And I do think the winner of the El Trafico has a really good chance, but we're not playing chalk here, right? We're not going Clearly, LAFC is the best team, and clearly Philly's the best team in the East. But the best team doesn't win in the playoffs all the time. It can, and I'm not saying it can't, but it doesn't always win. I'm looking for a team that's got difference makers up front, that's really solid defensively, um, and is kind of hot, and, and I think can kind of go on a run. I'm kind of looking at Dallas, to be honest with you. Like, nobody's really talking about Dallas as the number three seed. What? I love Ferreira. I, I love what I love their front three. And then the, the back line is like very solid. They, they tend to win a lot of games one, nothing, which is really good when you're playing in the, uh, in the playoffs and they're just very difficult to beat. Um, so I do like that. I, I do think Philly comes out of the East, but since that's a chalk pick, I'm not going that way. I, my other pick would be Cincinnati. I think the winner of the Philly Cincinnati game comes out again, because Cincinnati has match winners up front with the front three. And I think they're, more i don't think they're solid enough defensively to actually get through but if they get through it's because they were solid enough defensively basically um so yeah i think i think we could see dallas come out of the western conference i think philly will end up coming out of the east but something weird could happen with philly and cincinnati just with the rest so if uh if Cincinnati knocks off Philly, I like them to get to the final. And then uh, Dallas from the Western Conference against one of the LA teams. That'll be very, very interesting to see like Dallas and Galaxy or Dallas and LAFC. Um, obviously, Dallas Galaxy would be in Dallas. So that's also something to uh, to keep in mind. So it's obviously wide open. I think we just mentioned like most of the teams still left in the playoffs. <laughs> like basically none of everybody has going to happen. Everybody's got a chance. So. That's what's fun about this game. That's what's fun about the playoffs. Hope you guys enjoy the rest of the playoff games for this weekend. We will see you back on Thursday for the next start of the next round. And then all next weekend, there are playoff games as well. Um, But you guys have a great rest of your week. Basketball.